You may be seated. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. You know, uh, Melinda and I were gone last week and uh, found out once again how much I love this place. Just being gone a little bit makes us want to be back so badly, and we're glad you're here. If you're a guest with us today, let me say a special thank you to you for being here. It sure means a lot that you would spend time with us. For your benefit, you'll find in your bulletin a study guide. If you'd like to reach in and take that out, I'd love for you to do so. You'll also find a clipboard and a pen in the book rack that's in front of you. Feel free to make use of that if you would desire. I want to tell you a little story. This story is not meant to be a poor pitiful me story, but it turns out that it kind of is. There's really a point to it, so bear with me. I can remember when I was in seventh grade, some of you are saying, well, that's remarkable. Uh, but yeah, I, I can remember being in seventh grade. I remember for me, in that time, seventh through ninth grade was middle school. Tenth through twelfth grade was high school. And uh, my brothers and I, we went to a very small school. When I say a very small school, you'll understand when I tell you that it really was a very small school. We had maybe 30 to 40, not in seventh grade, but in the whole middle school, and possibly less than that in the high school. So we were a small, very, very small school. That's important for the story. I'm not just giving you random facts that you need it to know, but it's important for the story. The first of the school year, I can remember our coach, and I believe it was the first of the year. It could have been the end of the year, but I believe it was the first of the year. The coach coming to us, and he had everybody there in the middle and high school gathered up, and he said, we're going to have a track meet, a field and track event, and uh, we want you to be part of it. Now, when you've only got uh, 60 to potentially as many as 80 people in the whole junior middle, we called it junior high, but middle and high school ages, uh, you've got a difficult time filling a team for uh, a full track meet. And uh, so he started asking, essentially asking, who wants to do what? Who wants to be in the 50-yard dash? Who wants to be in the 100-yard dash? Now, we did have tryouts after that. If there were a lot of people wanted to be in the 50-yard dash, then we'd have tryouts, and the top made it to the team, and the others went to a different event. There was plenty of events to go to, so everybody got to do one or two or three events. I, I think I was in three particular events. We were so small that, for the most part, there were some events that middle school raced and played against other middle schoolers and high schoolers against high schoolers. But because of the size of our schools, our school was this size, and the other five to eight schools that participated were about the same size. Uh, There were events in which the middle schoolers were running against high schoolers. So in my case... There were events that I participated in that day, which uh, I was running against 12th graders. And there were 12th graders running against 7th graders. And so it made for a potentially extremely embarrassing situation for some of us who were the little ones in the group. Well, as the coach was calling out the different places and the different events, uh, 
he came to the mile run. And uh, to my surprise, no one wanted to be in the mile run. No one. And uh, I thought, you know what? Maybe this is my place. Maybe this is a spot for me because I, I'm slim, and I, I still am, of course, but I, I, was really, I was really slim back then in the realest sense of the word. I was slim back then, and I was fast. I could run really fast, and, and I didn't mind running long distances. And when we were kids, we didn't have PlayStations and Game Boys and different things like that. We were outside running and playing, so running wasn't a big deal for me. So I said, hey, I'll take that. And so he put me down. I thought, potentially, there won't be a lot of people wanting to do this at other schools either, and so I've got a really good chance of meddling in, uh, in this mile run. Well, the day came for the races and for the events to take place, and uh, I can remember sitting in the stands and when the event that I was in would be called then I would go and report to the area and um, would then go back to the stands and wait on the next event. And, and I can remember clearly coming over the loudspeaker, the, the guy saying, those participating in the mile run, please report to the track. And so I hopped up and I made my way through the people that were there in the stands circling around the, the track. And I, I walked through, got down to the field and, and got on the track, got to the start-finish line. And I stood there like, I'm ready to win this. This is my race. And I can remember that at about that point, there was this incredible distraction when these three other guys walked up and stood beside me and I could no longer see the sun. Uh, now there's no exaggeration in this. One of the guys that I looked up at, I literally felt like I was half his size. There were no other 7th graders participating. There were no other 8th graders, no ninth graders, no 10th graders. There were two 11th graders and a 12th grader. And the 12th grader was huge. I don't know. He might have been six foot tall. But at that point, he seemed like he was a Goliath. And there I was, little David, standing beside him. But even though there were distractions at that point, it wasn't bad enough to keep me from thinking that I had a chance to win that race. I can remember, though, that there were other distractions because I wasn't the only one that noticed this great difference in size. Everyone in the crowd noticed as well. And there were chuckles here and chuckles there as they took sight of this little bitty kid up against these men. And How was this going to turn out? They didn't know I intended to win this race. And while I heard the laughter, maybe it was all aimed at me, maybe none of it was, maybe it was just regular conversations and I just happened to hear it and think they're laughing at me, it was a distraction, quite a distraction. I can remember the man standing in front of us with the pistol in his hand, he said, on your mark, get set, and he fired the pistol and I took off with everything that was in me. If I wasn't going to win this race, I was going to burn out trying. And I took off and I was running as hard as I possibly could. And 
I came around the first lap and I realized these guys aren't here. They were a third of the track ahead of me. And I ran harder. And I determined I was going to catch up with them. I finished the second lap and I noticed that they were not a third of the lap ahead of me anymore, but now they were two-thirds of a lap ahead of me. And I came around on that third lap running as hard as I could, my tongue hanging out. I was just about to pass out. And I could hear them behind me. And I knew that their intent was to lap me. I wasn't about to let that happen. I ran harder than I've ever ran before. And I crossed over the start-finish line to begin my fourth and final lap as they were coming right behind me to complete the race. Now you talk about distractions. There were distractions. Because at this point, not only were there slight chuckles in the crowd here and there, but now there were people outright laughing. And laughing hard. And people calling out rude things and making jokes and in fact it was even people from my school I, I don't think they intended to to hurt me necessarily I think that more than anything it was embarrassing to them too and they were trying to ease the situation through humor and yet it did hurt I mean it hurt I, I went on around completed the race I I got to run a couple of extra minutes beyond what the others got to run. And when I finished, man, I, I acted like I need to go to the restroom, and I just left. I just went and hid behind the restroom because I didn't want to hear any more of the jokes. I didn't want to hear any more of the critics, and I just wanted to get away from there. It's interesting how... Such a peculiar situation, an awkward situation, relates to what we find in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It is in this passage that the Apostle Paul opens up a story and reveals to us that it is possible to go through this race in our spiritual lives, this race of faith, and be successful. And through these three verses, Paul says, you can be successful in your walk of faith in this race that God has set before you, or you can be an utter, utter failure in this race. Paul lays out for us three very important personalities that, that walk us through this process of success or failure. And I want to give you those personalities and show you how they relate and how Paul intended them to draw us to success and not to failure. But as he shows us what it is to be successful, we also understand the opposite is true, that if we fail in this, that we will also fail quite miserably in our race of faith as well. So what are these three personalities? Number one... Your first fill-in is the pre-runner. The pre-runner. I guess it would have been better to say the forerunner. What I'm talking about here are those people who had run the race before. 
As I thought about my particular event, I, I thought it would have been quite beneficial for me had I known some people who had run the mile run before and could have talked to them and said, how did you prepare? How did you train? Because honestly, uh, there wasn't a lot of training went on for the mile run back then, at least not by me. The other guys seemed to have trained pretty well, but uh, I didn't. And uh, the results were quite quite uh, embarrassing. And it would have been positive had I been able to talk to some people who had run that race before and said, you know, here's where I succeeded and here's where I failed. Here's what I did that was really positive and really helped. And, and here's what I did that, that really caused me some issues. And quite honestly, it's the same in our walk with Christ. Paul says in verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance. Let us lay aside the weights. Let us put aside the sin and run with endurance the race that is set before. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You may remember when he's talking about this great cloud of witnesses that a few weeks ago we looked at Hebrews chapter 11 in our study for that day. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, and I believe Paul is the writer of Hebrews, the reason I refer to that, if you believe differently, that's fine. Um, we won't argue over that, but, but I believe it was Paul, so we'll just address it that way. Paul talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith. These people who, just like us, faced problems and difficulties, had circumstances that were overwhelming to them. And yet, they were successful in their race of faith. What an amazing thing. To think that there it is, chapter 11. We can go back and we can read it and we can study it and find people who've already been on this journey just like us. And we can learn from them. We can learn from their successes. We can learn from their failures. We can look to see what is there for us to know and how we can use that information to grow and to develop and to be everything that God wants us to be. And so the Apostle Paul shows us the pre-runners. He says, here they are. They've gone through these difficulties, these problems, and yet they were successful in their race of faith. He then brings us to the second personality. And that is, number two, your next fill-in, the competitor. The competitor. Understand, we're talking about the pre-runners, the forerunners. It's those who've run the race before us. A lot of them are seen in the Word of God. A lot of them are right here seated in the auditorium with us. Those who have gone before us. Those who are ahead of us in their journey of faith that have information to share with us. And now he just breaks it down and he says, those people are there for you, the competitor, the runner. You're the one who is participating in this race. Notice what he said, verse 1. One. Let's read the whole thing. He said, therefore we also, therefore we also, based upon what we've seen in chapter 11, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
You know, one of the things that I became well acquainted with on that day in the seventh grade was that distractions hurt. Distractions hurt. I'm not saying if no one had been in the crowds laughing and if these guys hadn't been so big and had been so far ahead of me that the outcome would have been different, I would have no doubt lost the race anyway. But what I am saying is that the distractions caused me not to run as well as I would have otherwise. I, I, was, I remember weaving. I was trying to see where they were. I would weave around the track. Instead of running the straight line, I took the extra yards. What a blessing. It would have been so helpful had I talked to someone who had been there before. And they said, you know what? A couple of things you need to know. Number one is just go the straightest way you can go. Get as close to the inside as you can. Cut the distance out as much as possible. And run as hard as you can. And block out the distractions. Those things that are trying to weigh on your mind and, and occupy your thoughts. Block those out and focus on what you're doing. Focus on the race that you're running. And isn't that the way for us in this spiritual race as well? There's so many things that, that tend to get in the way. I mean, here God has given us a place. He's given us a plan. He's given us a race to run. And in this race, it's so easy for us to get distracted because there's so many things happening in the world. And he says, you've got to lay aside those weights. Put them away. What is it that weighs us down? Concern for what other people are thinking. God has called us to be a witness around the world, to make disciples of Jesus Christ and and yet some of us pull back from that responsibility because we're afraid that someone's going to make fun of us or someone's not going to like it. And so here we are running this race. We're obedient to what God calls. And then we have that opportunity to share. And this weight just lands on us because we're a little bit embarrassed. And so we run for a little while, and then we're distracted. And we finally realize what's going on, and we run a little more, and then we get distracted. Maybe it's not by someone laughing this time. Maybe it's by the cares of the world, the problems, the difficulties that are happening in life. Maybe, maybe we've got a real relational issue, or maybe there's a health problem, or, or, or maybe there's something else come up in our lives at work or at school, and as a result, it just stops us dead in our tracks. We've got a race to run, and yet this weight has caved us in, caused us to stop. Paul said, you've got to You've got to get rid of those things that distract you. And so we run a little bit more. And, and then all of a sudden we get blindsided because we've, we've developed such a concern for what the world has to offer. And we're really concerned about building our bank accounts or building our possessions or, or, or building our prestige or, or our power or our authority. 
And as a result, these things weigh in on us and they slow down our journey. They slow down this race of faith. And we get distracted. The Apostle Paul says, you've got to put it away. You've got to lay it aside. So that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then he added the thought, he said, and that sin which so easily ensnares us. Man, we all have one, don't we? I know this is Sunday and we're supposed to act religious and everything, but let's just be real. We all have that sin that seems to trip us up more easily than everything else. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs. Maybe it's pornography. And we could literally go on and on and probably not describe everyone's sin that easily ensnares. Paul said, here you are in this race and you've got to stay focused and you've got to run with endurance because there's so much that God wants us to complete. There's so much God wants for us. And so stay focused, stay focused. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get our eyes off of Christ and we get our focus on something else. And we start investing more and more time in something else. And instead of running the race, we've been distracted, we've been drawn away. And There's an old saying that says, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. It's true. It's true. I find it to be so real in my own life. If I don't keep my thoughts focused, if I don't keep my mind occupied, my thoughts will drift places they have no business going. And so instead of running the race with endurance, instead of being on the track, set out, to complete the race as God has called me, I allow my mind to start drifting and all of a sudden I find myself weaving on the course. Paul said, here's the race that's set before us. You've got to get rid of these things that are causing distractions. You've got to get rid of that sin in your life. That's why the Bible tells us to repent of our sin because repentance means that I confess it, I acknowledge it, and then I turn away from it, I turn my back on it, I'm not going back to it. I agree with God about what that represents, and I don't want it. And so we look back to the pre runners. And we learn from them. We look in the present at ourselves and we see what are the distractions. We see what are the sin that is, that is distracting us and keeping us from being successful in our race. And then finally, there's one more personality that he draws out. And I wish you'd keep your notes out after writing this because I want to give you some additional thoughts to add. Number three, we see the coach. The coach. How important is the coach? 
You know, I've thought a lot of times about that race, and I thought, you know what? If I had a coach that had been dedicated to me, and he could have trained me, he could have taught me, he could have helped me stay focused, and and even if he had been there with me at the race and, and had been running to key points at the track in between to catch up with me, to say, hey, don't get distracted. Keep your focus. Keep looking at me. Don't look at them. Don't listen to them. Stay focused. Run your best race. How much it would have helped. Now, I'm not throwing off on my coach. He had a lot of people to care for, a lot of different events taking place. I'm not throwing off on him. But I'm just saying, it would have been so beneficial to me. What a blessing it is to know that in this race of faith, that we have a coach, and his name is Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul says in verses 2 and 3. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What a concept. That Jesus is on the side of the track and he's yelling, Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes right here. Keep your focus right here. Don't look at the things of the world. Don't look at the things that will take you down. Don't look at that sin. You, you push it away. You sweep it out from under you. You stay focused on the race that you have to run. Look right here. And why would we look at Jesus? Because he's been there. And not only has he been there, but he is the author and the finisher. The, the, the beginning and the end of our faith. He is the one who brought about salvation through his sacrifice. He initiated salvation for us. He started our faith. And he will walk with us through this journey to complete our faith. Apostle Paul tells us, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That he started the process at salvation, and now he wants to take us on this journey and carry us through, saying, hey, look at me, look at me, stay focused, stay focused. Shows us that he is the author and the finisher. That he is the one who suffered and yet became our inspiration. He tells us in verse 3, he said, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. In other words, when you get into hardships, when you get into difficulties, when you get distracted, keep your focus on Jesus. Why? Because you can look at what he faced. You can use him as inspiration in your own life. You can look to see his, his journey and how difficult it was, and yet how he stayed faithful to the Father. 
and how he looked beyond the pain, beyond the suffering, to the joy that would come later. The joy of bringing many to a saving knowledge of himself. The joy of delivering many from the wrath of God in an eternity in the lake of fire. The joy of obedience to God Almighty. Jesus endured and continued fully focused. And you say, well, that's all well and good, but I... You know, I am easily distracted. So how do I do that? How do I stay focused? Four things I wish you to write down. I'm going to go through these quickly. Number one, by staying in God's Word. By staying in God's Word. It seems to be a reoccurring theme, doesn't it? And we talk about this a lot. The value and the significance of God's Word how we've got to make it a priority in our lives. If we want to stay focused on the race that is before us, we want to stay focused on the coach and move forward even in the middle of problems and difficulties, we must invest in God's Word. We must make the Word of God center in our lives. Number two is through prayer. Stay focused through prayer. God is talking to me when I read His Word. I'm talking to Him in prayer. It's a conversation. How rude it is to hear Him talk to me or for me just to talk to Him and not participate in a conversation. God wants this continuing dialogue to be happening. And me hearing from Him through His Word and through His Holy Spirit and me talking and telling Him what's on my heart and me sharing my burdens and me sharing my problems and me admitting, God, I can't do this without You. God wants to keep us focused. Number three, how we stay focused is by surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. Surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. You can have a stadium full of people who want to ridicule you, want to make fun of you, they want to hold you back. They want to prevent you from going forward. Or you can surround yourself with some key people who are going to be standing beside you cheering. You can do this. You can do it. You can do it. That's one of the greatest blessings of our life groups. That we've got people that are standing beside us. People who are becoming like family. That are going to be there saying, you can do this. Don't give up. Know it's hard. I know you're going through a difficult time right now, but don't give up. Keep focused on Jesus. And then finally, number four, by giving God glory from what happens in your life. Giving God glory for what happens in your life. It's so easy for us in our humanity to have something positive happen in our spiritual lives. And to step back and say, man, <laughs> I'm a good Christian. I'm such a strong Christian. Look at what I have achieved for Christ. He must be sitting in heaven thinking, what would I do without him? <clears throat> but to just be real. He is the author 
and the completer. We have no part in that. We are just the obedient people that he uses in the process. And so it's not us that's all that. It's this incredible loving Savior who would choose to use wicked, sinful people like us. What an amazing concept. So what do we do with this information? You know, it's my prayer that we look back to the pre-runners. We look back and we learn from them. Pick out people in church here that you know who've stood strong in their faith. Not that they're perfect. Not that they've done everything right. Sometimes you'll learn more from the things they did wrong than the things they did right. And you talk to them. And you, you spend time with them. You learn from them. What was successful? What was failure? And then you analyze your own life. You, you check it out. What's the weights in my life? What is it that's weighing me down? What is it that I'm investing time in instead of running the race? What is that sin that's slowing me down? Got to deal with that. And through it all, we keep looking forward at the coach, Jesus Christ. We stay focused on Him. It is possible to run this race of faith and be successful. Can be done. I think it really comes down to the question. Who are you watching?